Hey everyone, I'm Jason Rosewell. Mark Skyhawk Heavy Denton is over there, and that makes this Flightcast, the one and only Infinite Flight podcast. If you're just joining us for the first time, this is a show about the mobile flight simulator Infinite Flight, which you can find in the App Store or on Google Play. And hey, thanks for listening. Mark, what's going on? Not much, not much at all. Just hanging out with my son this weekend. Nice. Did you and uh, Wake Turbulence meet any ladies at Longhorn the other night? Hey, you know, we had a couple looking, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a curse, man. And, and he'll tell you the same thing. I'm Daddy, sure. we don't have to. we don't have to look for them. They will come to us. So You're in trouble, bro. That's my 11-year-old, I know. <laughs> All right, well, let's introduce today's guest. He's a pilot for a national European airline and currently pilots the most recent addition to the Infinite Flight fleet of aircraft, the Dash 8. He's joining me today from the UK. Arjan, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, having me tonight. Awesome. Um, yeah, I guess it's tonight for you. you got, you're about four hours ahead of uh, me and five hours ahead of Mark. Um, <laughs> why don't we start out with the typical first question that I always love to ask my pilots uh, who are guests on the show. What is your background with aviation and uh, what got you into flying? Well, that's a very nice question. Um, from when I was uh, very young, aviation always attracted me very much. And um, as a kid, we uh, regularly went to uh, South Africa. And uh, on those flights, uh, I was regularly invited to the cockpit. So as a kid, that made quite a big impression on me, if you, uh, <laughs> as you might understand. Yes, for sure. And um, yeah, that, that's where it probably all started. And uh, later, friends took me on their VFR flight in the Cessna and on the gym seat in the 737, which was uh, awesome, of course. And uh, not much later, I started my own integrated ATPL flight training. And uh, here I am, flying the Bombardier Dash 8 Q400 and living the dream. Living the dream. That's exactly what our friend uh, Arnaud said when he was on the show, just living the dream. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> That's awesome. Have you noticed how all the airline pilots that we have on here, that they started by being invited into the cockpit of the airliners. Yes, yes, good point. We had uh, Melvin yep. on last week, and he said the exact same thing. He was three, <laughs> and uh, it's a shame. You just can't do that anymore because, you know, there's too many psychos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, and look at me. You know, I mean, I'm a GA pilot. You know, I'm a private pilot, but, you know, I worked for Northwest Airlines for 15 years, but, you know, my first flight was in a little... Piper Cherokee. Mm. So, you know, they got the big cockpits. I got the one that I had to put on to get in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, Arjan, we should have we should back up a little bit. Um, where where are you from? Because I'm not hearing uh, a UK accent coming out of your mouth. Originally, I'm from uh, the Netherlands. The Netherlands, and that is why yeah. you have the identical accent to our friend Arnold. <laughs> That's great. That's probably. <laughs> He's got a question for you later on when we get to the Facebook questions. Um, okay, so so you started out uh, from a young age, and then um, in your professional career, what what aircraft have you flown, and what led up to you piloting the Dash Eight? Um, well, in flight training, I flew the uh, Cessna One Seven Two. Um, later the That's Piper right. Aero and Seminole and uh, the multi-crew coordination part was on the Beach 200 simulator 
and the jet orientation course after that was on the 737-800 full motion simulator and um, shortly after completion of my flight training I applied to Flybe and uh, got my first job being a first officer on the Dash 8 which I'm currently flying. Okay so you haven't been a commercial pilot for uh, a long amount of time then so far? Uh, no, to be honest, uh, almost a year now. <laughs> wow, awesome! This is great. Yeah. We've had um, Dale on uh, Dale McLaughlin on uh, a few episodes back, who is currently working on his. Uh, he has just got his CPL, and he's doing some training with. Help me out, Mark. EasyJet. EasyJet, and uh, so he's on the A320 family of aircraft and uh, jumping straight to the jets. So, do you have any experience flying jets then, or you went straight to the turboprop? I went straight for to to the uh, turboprop. Okay, yeah. and is that was that a, a conscious decision, or was that just a, a opportunity that you had, or uh, with Flybe, or how did that it was, come about? It, it was actually uh, a fantastic first opportunity, which I uh, which I took with both hands. So um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Art got a lot of friends over here uh, in the states that you know have moved on to a lot of the major carriers and stuff like that. But I know that they started off. Uh, flying turboprops, uh, a lot of them flew the Saab 340, um, which is probably one of my favorite turboprops. But, um, and then they, of course, transitioned over to the MD-88s, the CRJs and stuff like that. How did the airlines in the UK actually look at the time, uh, the hours logged as far as moving from a turboprop to a uh, jet turbine? I think it's easier to uh, to get another job in the UK if you have jet time, um, but they still accept uh, dash eight hours turboprop hours. Oh, okay. So does that so, that make it just makes uh, depends on the airline then I suppose right? Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. Fantastic. So why don't we? Um, what you've already you already answered this in in the first question, but my next one was just: Are you you're flying the Dash Eight? Is it the Q four hundred? And uh, the answer to that is yes. So have you trained on? Um, you mentioned a few other aircraft that you and you used a term um, that I didn't understand actually at the start. You said something about um, what, what were the phases of training that you went through? Yeah. Uh, well, he. Uh, after doing an integrated flight training, you uh, have to do an MCC. I don't know if they have that in the, UK, in the US as well. It's a multi-crew coordination. That's the one uh, I didn't understand. So can you explain that? Um, yeah, it's about working together and um, yeah, dealing with all kinds of situations uh, under oh, so that's, harsh circumstances. That's moving from piloting an airplane by yourself to... to Working together. Else to, okay, got it. Exactly. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Kind of like falling under, I uh, believe, CRM is a term that I've heard often, more of a crew resource yeah. management type situation. Yeah, yeah, basically, uh, yeah, that's the most important thing of it, yeah. That's, see, that's why I have you here, Mark. <laughs> no, I try. I try. <laughs> okay, great. So you're, you're in the Q400. Did you have any experience flying any of the earlier model Dash 8s before this? No, the airline which I currently work for, they only have the Q400. Okay. All right. So there's a clue for everybody if you want to uh, dig into which airline this guy's flying for. But uh, we won't get into that on the show. Okay. Um, okay so um, 
actually, this isn't on my list of questions, but I'm just curious. Uh, Melvin last week said that uh, when they were flying um, turboprops back in the day, uh, they were, of course, flying the ATR-72, and they were always kind of jealous of the Dash 8 pilots, especially the Q400 pilots, because you guys have an APU, and you did mention that that... Uh, air, uh, the the uh, to me earlier that the the dash eight is heavier, um, a quite a heavy for a turboprop. So uh, this it, it sounds like to me, and I've I have a friend who has flown the Q four hundred as well for uh, Porter in Toronto, and he said that it really is like flying a jet um, in terms of how it feels and uh, how how much quieter it is than normal pr- turboprops. Would you or other turboprops, I should say? So would you agree with that? Well, I've no flying experience on other aircraft, but uh, what I can tell you, it's uh, it's really it really is a beast. And uh, Bombardier, there's they sell the aircraft as um, the, the the speed of a uh, jet and the uh, costs of a turboprop, basically. Right. So it's it's a really powerful aircraft, very nice to fly. Cool. So let's it get into how fast they get off the ground too. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the infinite flight portion. Um, I really wanted to have you on because you have uh, been such a huge contributor to the release of the Dash 8 in infinite flight. And uh, by the way, thank you. Um, I'm sure everybody is uh, very thankful of uh, all your help, especially uh, Matt and Philippe and those guys. Uh, yes, my pleasure. Yeah, so when we're when we're talking about uh, the release of the Dash 8 on Infinite Flight, um, how did you get involved in helping these guys? Well, uh, my friend Arnaud, he uh, told me that the Infinite uh, Flight team wanted to develop the Dash 8, and uh, therefore they needed help. Uh, they needed pictures, feedback, uh, back- background information, uh, numbers, etc., uh, which I provided. So Arnat uh, brought me in contact with uh, especially Matt and Jarno. And since that moment, I literally spammed the both of them and sent them loads of emails containing real-life facts, pictures, figures, everything in order to build and improve the Dash 8 in Infinite Flight. And um, it's really cool if you see your feedback to be implemented in the, in the beta model of the Dash 8. Oh, yeah, for and sure. And to see the uh, aircraft behavior improving and I must say, the Infinite Flight team did a fantastic job. Awesome. Well, yeah, that was part of uh, one of my other questions is how, <clears throat> and we had people asking on Facebook too, how closely do you feel that the current release of the Dash 8 models um, something in real life, I guess as in terms of being in a, in a flight simulator? Yeah, it's it's really difficult to 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 build a new aircraft from scratch and to... Uh, recreate and uh, reproduce the feeling of an aircraft into a digital model that's really difficult mm-hmm. so um the first beta model was way too fast it was almost like an f-16 sometimes and uh yeah it it, it really improved since uh with, with the feedback and information i gave them so uh yeah i think it's it's really close to to a real life awesome um, it's been kind of fun to, as a, as I've been able to test it a little bit as well, is to see the changes that happen and, and, you know, we offer our feedback and then to know that you're kind of in the background with those guys and, and saying, okay, well, you know, what these guys are saying is true or no, it's, it's actually behaving more like a jet would in this situation where it actually needs to behave like this. 
very, very cool to see that kind of process unfold. Yeah, uh, we've definitely seen the progress from from the jet speed, that, if you will, to uh, to the release. So it it was quite entertaining, sometimes frustrating, just having yeah. to because we we've flown jets for so long on infinite flight. Now I've been personally wanting a prop, a turboprop for the longest time, but when you have that mindset of flying a jet for so long, and then now you've got to transition to a turboprop, it's just making that mental transition on the different speeds. You know, you can't be cruising at 34,000 feet at 400 knots in the Dash 8. So. Yeah. Just little things. Yeah, well, and that's that's actually what I want to touch on now is last week we talked kind of turboprops in general, and although this is part two, we really are focusing on the Dash 8 since that's the, the new airplanes, airplane and infinite flight. So, uh, Arjun, let's get into some um, nerdy details, if you don't mind, and get into some real specifics. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, great. So just to help our listeners who are just, I think, chomping at the bit just to get a, a real feel of, okay, what exactly should I be doing here to uh, model, you know, real-life behavior? So here we go. Uh, into some specifics. Uh, for one, what what are we – so we're on the ground. We, we don't have startup, cold start in infinite flight, so we won't worry about that right now. But in terms of taxiing, uh, would uh, – you know, we've heard uh, 30 knots is a, um, a max taxi speed for some airlines. We can't go over 35 knots in infinite flight on the ground uh, on the advanced server. But um, what are we taxiing at uh, in the turboprop, specifically in the Dash 8? Uh, actually, the same speeds, and I think that uh, 30 knots mentioned. I think that's a legal uh, requirement as well. Okay. So uh, yeah, with the dash eight, you can taxi actually the same speeds as any other aircraft uh, do. And okay. uh, the the funny thing is, the dash eight is quite powerful and not extremely heavy. So you can uh, it's it's quite easy to make a high speed turn in a dash eight. Okay, and uh, Arnaud is uh, was telling us that in the A three eighty, so <laughs> you're in the dash eight, he's in the you know, opposite, <laughs> opposite type of aircraft. Uh, but he's saying, you know, when we're when you're making turns, turn onto the runway or or whatever, some kind of a tight turn, you're doing uh, no more than ten knots. So is that that not the case with the dash eight? Uh, yeah, yes, it, it's uh, maybe fifteen. Yeah, okay. it depends on how the how tight the turn is. Okay, so there we go. We're uh, fifteen knots to. 30 knots on the ground and then uh, we're lining up for takeoff can you run us through some different takeoff scenarios um, in terms of flap speeds and uh, flap settings uh, yeah yeah I can do that um, I think mainly due to the uh, short takeoff landing characteristics and the powerful engines the Dash 8 uh, has uh, we can almost everywhere depart with uh, flap setting of 5 and uh, on long runways this will result in reduced takeoff power and on shorter runway and in combination with higher takeoff mass you might be unable to use derated takeoff power but most of the times we are able to use reduced takeoff power and um, flap 5 and then the v1 and rotate speeds are then in the region of uh, 108 to 130 knots depending on weight yeah so if, if it's heavier it's uh, the speed will be higher okay Okay. Um, 
And that's interesting what you said, though, as far as the reduced power. If, uh, Jason, correct me if I'm wrong. I remember Melvin said in the ATR a lot of times they went with just full throttle. Um, he did, yeah. Off. Yeah, he did say that. Yeah, so the Dash 8 is power. Yeah, the Dash 8 is so powerful engines. If you use the full power, that's, uh, well, <laughs> that's a bit frightening. <laughs> so uh, what, when you so say you... frightening, is that uh, what are the what are the practical reasons for not using full power? Is it just too fast or is it uh, too loud? Or I know in, with jets, they, uh, our buddy Jared was saying, uh, at least in the A320, they're not taking off at full power because it's just A, too noisy and unnecessary, unnecessary, unnecessary wear and tear on the engines and uh, for reasons like that. So what, what are some practical reasons that you're not taking off with full power? Um, yeah, it's, it's a noise. And um, yeah, it's basically really the wear and tear as well, just as a uh, jet engine, basically. Okay. So, so you're dealing with a lot so of power. Would you, say around, would you say maybe around 90, 95% or uh, well, less than uh, that? That's an interesting point. Um, the, the the normal takeoff power is ninety percent, so it's derated okay. already. And on top of that, we can derate even more to about eighty percent. Wow! So it de- depends really on the situation, on, on the weight of the aircraft, uh, hmm. how much you sure. want to uh, reduce the takeoff power. This is great. Yeah, I, I have to adjust. Stuff, yeah. I have to adjust the way I've been flying this airplane. Me too, because I was doing full power. Me too. Uh, I started off at around 92, 96%, and then when uh, when Melvin was saying in the ATR they do 100%, I was going 100%. And then, because even in the jets, I never do, you know, coach, you're looking at the N1, and uh, I always put my N1 uh, no higher than around 92, 96%. Um, for takeoff and the jet, but yeah, it's, it's good. I didn't know it went all the way down to eighty percent. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. the Melvin's theory of uh, just turning it up until you smell smoke and going is uh, <laughs> 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 I'm going to have to be adjusted. I think for the dash eight. Um, <laughs> okay, so now that we've taken off, we are. Um, we're retracting our flaps at some point, and then we're uh, climbing up to cruising altitude. And so, what, when we're in cruise, what are we looking at typically? For I guess, uh, from my understanding, it depends on how far you're going, and uh, the jet stream and all that kind of stuff in terms of speed and altitude. But why don't you give us some typical scenarios? Well, the Dash Eight Q400 is certified uh, to go up to twenty-five thousand feet. And uh, the airline plans the cruising levels for us and um, files the flight plan accordingly. Um, we, as, we as pilots, we can deviate from this. So if we have a valid reason to do so. So we can ask for a lower level, for example, to take the advantage of a decreased headwind component on that lower level. So that saves us fuel and time in the air, basically. And uh, actually, the higher up in the sky, the more fuel efficient we can fly. So that's what we mostly do and uh, the cruising speed actually depends on the situation if we are uh, ahead of the schedule and uh, there's no time uh, sorry there's no need at all to fly faster than you have to and in that case we can fly a specific uh, cost index speed computed by the EFB the electronic flight back and um yeah, that takes into account the maintenance cost, engine hours, fuel price, and a lot of other variables. 
and uh, it computes uh, an optimal cruise speed to save fuel, basically. Okay, so and if you're not it, in a rush, that's what you're going to be following for the most part. Yeah, yeah. And if we're running late in the cruise, we can fly just under VMO speed. So it's basically the flight deck crew who makes the decision uh, on the speed to be flown in the cruise, unless, well, ATC tells us to fly a certain speed, which happens sometimes as well. Okay. Okay. Because yeah, I remember, I remember if I could, the um, some of the pilots uh, that used to come into the airport for Northwest Airlink flying the Saab 340s. Um, of course, whenever you would have to, pr we would print up their weather package, flight route, and all that. Of course, it would all be in the uh, in the A cars as well. Um, they would have an alternate, an assigned alternate, if they had to divert anywhere. Um, and of course, the weather would be for that as well. But one thing I remember um, is, especially late at night, they would have their regular flight plan, but a lot of times they would get up, because I used to fly jump seat a lot, and they would request 10,000 direct. Do y'all ever get to have that option over in uh, the UK? Um, well, I don't really understand the question. Uh, why do you want to have lower level? Well, what they would do if uh, it was the last flight of the night, and yeah. they were they were going to the destination that was going to be an RON, um, and they would be staying there overnight. And of course, they would be taking the bird out the next morning. They yeah. would want to get there a little bit quicker since it was the last flight going out into a domicile airport as opposed to a hub. Yeah, and um, getting to the uh, hotel faster, get more rest, but. Instead of doing the flight plan, they would request once they got into center, you know, 10,000 direct to stay above, you know, to be able to get above, of course, 250 knots, but also just to get the direct uh, the direct heading there and get there quicker. I didn't know if that was something that y'all did. And it's all, it was only on the last flight of the night going to a domicile. Yeah, I think we uh, we could do the same, but, uh, well, the company is not going to like that, I think, because the higher fuel flow. <laughs> <laughs> That could be why Northwest isn't in business anymore, too. <laughs> uh, cool. Okay. Um, so we're, we've uh, gotten through the cruising altitude and speeds, um, and uh, Melvin talked a little bit about uh, – oh, actually, sorry, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Let's go through some – speed and flap settings for landing. Now, we did talk, uh, mentioning Melvin, we did talk about this a little bit in general terms with turboprops, but uh, what do we need to know as infinite flight pilots when we're coming in for an approach in the Dash 8? Um, normally, the flap setting is uh, 15 for any landing, uh, unless we fly to a short runway. Um, at our company, um, we have to fly with flap 35 if the runway is shorter than 1,800 meters. And um, the VREF speed for flap 15 landing is about um, 105 knots and varying up to 130 knots if the aircraft is uh, almost 30 tons. And the VREF speed for a flap 35 landing are varying from 100 to just over 120 knots. Okay. Is there a scenario where, uh, speaking of flaps 35, this is um, for... Only for short field landing and takeoffs, or is there a are there situations where you use them now on a you know semi regular basis or never? 
Um, yeah, we do, we use them on a regular basis, actually. Uh, we have in Europe the Channel Islands between France and the UK, uh, Guernsey and Jersey, with uh, shorter runways of about uh, 1,500 and respective, respectively uh, 1,700 meters long. So then we have to use them. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's, this isn't just like a sort of only sometimes thing this is a can be a pretty regular thing do you um in infinite flight are there uh any airports that you fly to specifically so that you can do a short field landing or takeoff um no i've, I've never done that in infinite flight um however um if we have a long runway that doesn't stop us from making a flap 35 landing if we think that's better to do then we can do that um, oh, okay it can be wise to do that if the winds are really gusty. Uh, if you then land with flap 35, the dash is better to control and better to fly. So even on very long runways, we sometimes uh, use flap 35. Interesting. Uh, Mark, does that sound interesting to you? Because I think you've said to me before when you're flying the 172, if there's some gusty conditions, you'd rather land with less flaps and more speed. Yeah, for me... Uh... Yeah, I try to come in with a little bit more speed and, uh, you know, normally around 10 degrees flaps. A lot of times I'll land um, even without flaps. Um, I'll just, uh, you know, 15, 20 feet uh, above the runway, I'll actually uh, just kind of level out, uh, burn a little bit of the airspeed and then just uh, settle down um, and use 10 degrees. I, I actually rarely use 25 or even 30 in some of the 172s. So it, it's a lot different. To me, it's easier for the one. It's easier for me to control the 172 at a higher speed than it is at a slower speed. But that's just something that I've always done. Well, and Mark, so, you, d you don't you don't conform to the normal norms of society either. Yeah, only to pass the test. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> only when I got my license. Yeah. <laughs> So. so, guys, uh, Joe was asking this one uh, on Slack earlier. He was saying, uh, "What? What's the? Uh, why is the turboprop flap deployment so specifically? I guess to the Dash Eight, so much slower than on the jets." And uh, I know that uh, at one point, I heard that you had specifically told them you need to slow down that flap deployment um, on the Dash Eight because it was too fast. So, is that? Uh, why is that? If uh, is that a, a, something specific to the Dash Eight or Bombardier, or do you have a, a comment on that? Um, I haven't really seen the difference in infinite flight uh, jet compared to the dash flaps uh, oh, okay. uh, deployment. Um, however, yeah, in, the, in one of the first beta models, the flaps were deploying a little bit too fast. So if you were flying and arrive, yeah, an approach, it was really difficult to stay on the glide path, if you know what I mean. Uh, the ballooning effect would be too high if you uh, oh, okay. uh, yes. select flaps too quick. Right. Got it. So, that makes um, a lot of sense. But I think all the aircraft, uh, the, the, the flaps deploy at quite a low, slow speed because uh, the autopilot has to trim the aircraft in a normal, comfortable, comfortable way to uh, follow the glide path. And right. increasing the flap setting will change the pitch angle of any aircraft. So in the Dash 8, if you uh, increase the flaps from, from 50 to 35, there's a little, little delay on it because of the large pitch change, basically. Okay. So about, uh, yeah, maybe nice to know for Infinite Flight users, a guide for deploying the flaps and gear. Um, at approximately eight miles, we uh, select flap five. And five miles before uh, the runway, uh, below 200 knots, we select the gear down. 
If the gear is down with three greens, we slow further down to below 172 knots and select then flap 15. And for a flap 35 landing, uh, you have to select that setting well below 158 knots. And if you follow that guideline, it will be quite a smooth approach. If you... Okay, awesome. So, yeah. I will, so, I, so I'll what, be... I'm, what I'm... Go ahead, Jack. I was just going to say, I'll be out there practicing for sure because, uh, you know... As Mark knows, I'm rarely doing it correctly. <laughs> yeah, I think what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to go out and just sit at the end of the runway and just watch the people now because you know what's going to happen. They're going to come in on approach 250 knots, be three miles out, and then they're going to dump all 35 degrees of flaps. <laughs> then they're going to wonder why they have a 60 degrees nose down <laughs> attitude. <laughs> yes. So The autopilot is smart, but it's not that smart. Okay, so oh, yeah. uh, guys, this is more of a, a kind of a comment than a question. I, I did some controlling the other night, and I know you're all shocked and amazed that I that I was uh, out there on the control tower. But I noticed that um, you inspired me to go. To, you know, I to saw that you. I I opened I Aspen, and you were over at uh, Eagle County. Yeah, Amazing. I was at Eagle County and needed Xanax 15 minutes later. I mean, I was just like. <laughs> If you attract a crowd in the in the in that region and you don't have approach, you might as well call it a day. It's just exactly. a complete beatdown. But anyway, so Mark and I are out there, and uh, thankfully, um, I'll give a public shout out to our buddy Jaden, who is just the rock star of approach controllers in Infinite Flight. And I haven't mentioned him before, which has been a huge miss on my part. One of our one of our best by far. So Jaden, great job. Yeah. Jaden and Gbok, they're yep. the approach beasts for sure. And we've got so, lots of lots of great guys, but they are um, oh, absolutely. They're they they take approach and make it into an art. It's like when you're looking at the map, they actually try to portray an image of some sort. When you see all the planes <laughs> yeah. perfectly lined up, yeah, it's unreal. It's beautiful. So I, I'm out there, and I notice that people seem to be using. Uh, you know, a larger aircraft, or they see a larger aircraft on the radar, and they assume that it's okay to follow with the same separation as if they're following a jet. So I don't know, maybe if some people don't realize that it's actually a Dash 8 they're looking at in front of them, or not. But it, when you're, uh, you know, in fact, it's a turboprop, it's the Dash 8. So uh, guys, our landing speeds in the Dash 8 are a good 20 to 30 knots, or sometimes more, uh, lower than in a jet so what advice this is for both of you what advice can we offer to pilots to maintain good visual separation when they're not being vectored by uh, ATC on the approach well in real life the classification of the uh, dash 8 is medium and that's the same classification as the A320 and 737 so they officially need a separation of 5 miles or 2 minutes so yeah 2 minutes might be a good uh, good reference Okay. And uh, yeah, well, if you want to know all the real numbers, you can uh, Google for the uh, wake turbulence separation minima on the internet, and okay. that can be very handy. Great. For, so yeah. now, now the the thing, I guess, what the trick is is to not come in too slowly, too soon when you're on your approach in the dash eight, because the jet's not going to go below. What would you say, Mark? Typically, one thirty, maybe. Right. So. 135. If your landing speed, uh, and especially on a steep approach, maybe let's say, uh, on the Dash 8 is going to be somewhere down 
you know, between 103 and whatever you said, Arjun, 125, that can be a huge difference if if you're yeah, in, following somebody. In real, in real life, uh, air traffic controls sometimes ask us to fly uh, at least 160 knots until four miles. Okay. And after the four miles, we can reduce to our final approach speed. That's for separation as well. That is exactly the kind of advice I was looking for. So guys who are listening, if you're uh, on an approach in the Dash 8, let's try and follow that because right now we don't have a way for the tower controller, to. if there's no approach controller, we don't have a way to say maintain 160 knots until five miles. We can only say maintain best forward speed. And someone says hits acknowledge and says Roger and yet they're still you know 105 knots <laughs> not helpful <laughs> hey everyone I'm excited to announce a giveaway on Flightcast this week we're running a contest where you can win a Flightcast t-shirt that's been autographed by the entire Flying Development Studio team all you have to do to enter is rate and review the podcast on one of three popular podcast services for more details and official contest rules visit flightcast.audio contest Hurry, though. The contest closes on March 29th at noon Eastern. Now back to the podcast. Okay, well, guys, let's head to Facebook for some questions, unless, Mark, you have something else to add before we do that. The only thing I would say in regards to, um, even on, uh, you know, it's something that we teach in the advanced server, but also something that we would like for the playground controllers to uh, to acknowledge is that when you issue from approach, when you issue a a specific speed that they need to understand, like if they say, you know, do not exceed 160 knots, that the controller can only see your ground speed. They can't see your indicated airspeed. So that's something I think has been confusing for a lot of people um, since the ATC has been out. So when you issue a speed of 160, they're only able to see that it's in ground speed and not in the indicated airspeed. So yeah, definitely whenever a good tip to look out that, for. Yeah, so whenever they're issuing that speed command to maintain that uh, that space uh, that spatial separation, um, to do that, you know, to keep that in mind. So when you tell somebody to slow down to 160 knots, depending on the winds and everything else, I mean, they could be indicated, could be, you know, even lower than that. But I just think it's important to understand the difference between the ground speed and the indicated airspeed when working approach great good one mark okay let's go over to facebook for some questions um first off this is the important one our note wants to know why are the dutch pilots always so sexy <laughs> uh yeah do i have to answer this question no no it's rhetorical but i had to get yeah, it in there. if you would like yeah to put you know somebody else on to answer that for you <laughs> yeah you got you got anyone happens to be uh sitting there with you you can ha put them on no, Leave we'll, it up there we'll it. for that that type of question you know my question is you know why do uh dutch a380 first officers <clears throat> Sometimes I have to act so, you know, two steps from stupid sometimes. Just, <laughs> I just don't get it. Uh, that's another reason I have Mark on the show. Uh, so, okay, we, we have a question from Emil, and I, I just want to acknowledge it, but uh, there really isn't an answer from you because he's asking, do you prefer jet or prop? So this this airplane seems 
like a blast to fly and you're you say you're living the dream so uh you're obviously having having a good time flying it what's what do you see as being next for you is this some somewhere where you want to stay for a while or do you want to uh hope to bump up to flying jets for the same company or what's what do you see um yeah i already have a nice offer for um uh, more than over more than a year, I will fly the uh, Embraer 175 and Embraer 195. So within this year, you're hoping? Uh, no, that will be uh, 2017 somewhere. Okay, awesome. All right. Yeah. Um, well, we'll have to have you back on when you're uh, when you're in training for the uh, Embraer. That would be amazing. Yeah. Cool. So, um, great. So we 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 can't uh, answer your question, Emil, but uh, we'll ask that one next time. Okay, so th- you this could is ask, you could ask on infinite flight. Which do you prefer? Yes. Okay. Sure. Which do you prefer on infinite flight? Then uh, Arjan. I really, really like the uh, new uh, Airbus A three twenty series. Mm. I think that's really def- developed uh, very well. Yes, and, easy uh, to fly. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice, and I like the sound pack as well. Makes it just a bit more realistic, mm. and uh, I, li- I like the uh, Embraer as well. Yeah, it's very good. Before the A320 family uh, of aircraft came out in infinite flight, the Embraer was my fa- it was my go-to. It's my favorite by far. Yeah, um, the same for once me, actually. They fixed yeah. It. yeah, once they once fixed they it. Once they corrected yeah. the Embraer, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's a nice bird. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, there seems to be some debate on Facebook over whether or not the Dash 8 has auto land capabilities. So let's just once and for all put an end to this debate um to me it seems like some simple google searching uh can really benefit people um but i won't go on a tangent this time um is there a difference between an automatic approach and an automatic land and is the dash 8 equipped with any of this uh the dash 8 i fly with we don't we do not have an auto land function um we have to disconnect the autopilot at least um, 80 feet from the ground. Only 80 so feet? It, yeah, it, it in, in Category 2 approaches and uh, higher up in Category 1 approaches. And you, So you have to be able to see the ground or the airport lighting, I guess, at, at what point? Uh, yeah, well, at the dish, decision uh, altitude, which varies from airport to oh, airport. Oh, it's dependent on the airport. Okay. What's a, yeah. What would be a typical decision altitude? Um... Maybe 300 feet, maybe lower, one, 190 in Amsterdam. Okay. And do you know of any Dash 8, any Q400s that are equipped with uh, Cat 3 uh, Autoland capabilities? Uh, I can't answer that question. I don't know. Okay. So you don't know of any? No. Okay. It can very well be, but I never search for it. <laughs> okay. Well, I did a little bit of searching and, and it seems like there are some Dash 8s that are equipped with a heads-up display, which allows them to uh, fly the autopilot or I guess in fly a almost, how am I, what am I trying to say here, Mark? I, I'm trying to... Auto approach. Yeah, an auto approach, I guess, for a longer period of time before they have to disconnect the autopilot. But from what I could find, there wasn't a Dash 8 that was equipped with Autoland. No, I can't. I can't really imagine that there is because the uh, Dash Eight is not equipped with uh, auto throttle. Oh, okay. Well, there's a big reason right there. And um, it's one of the few aircraft uh, where you have to put power on before landing. 
<laughs> oh yes, talk about that, please, because I think um, someone, or it might have been you actually, on the on the forum, you were saying something at one point during testing about adding power at touchdown or before, just before touchdown. So explain that. Uh, the dash, it is a bit uh, weird aircraft landing. I think it's quite difficult um, at uh, twenty feet above the uh, the runway. We will start the flare. And we just add, add a few percent of uh, power just to smoothen out the landing and to stop the vertical speed a little bit. If you... Yeah, okay. And to make it a stable and normal landing, basically. Okay, so the flare doesn't doesn't do that? You don't have, um, like, wouldn't ground effect normally do that for you? Cushion your landing a little bit? Uh, yeah, not enough Okay. with the dash eight. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that has something to do with the high wing aspect of it, or what? Uh, I'm I'm not sure to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I just know how to fly it. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, well, if you have anything sarcastic, <laughs> if you have anything sarcastic, Dad, here now's the time. <laughs> yeah. um, well, if I was flying the Dash Eight, obviously you would have to add power just to you know soften up the landing. Of course, that would be with any aircraft that I'm in. So, to say it, you know. Come on, man. Don't be too hard Which on yourself. Why? Look, I got the name Skyhawk Heavy for a reason. Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> cool. Okay, so that, that kind of uh, puts, a, I think, puts an end to the uh, auto land debate. If anyone wants to prove us wrong and say, look, here is a Dash 8 Q400 without auto throttle that does have auto land, then point us in the right direction and we will stand corrected. But so far, uh, n none of us can can find that and honestly i don't even even on the airbus 320 family i don't even use the auto land i mean i'll use it for the approach yep but just being a pilot you know as a real pilot i want to land the plane myself well isn't that the whole isn't that the whole fun of it arjan would you agree with that isn't that the fun of flying you you're in the air for so long and then that's the that's the big that's the grand finale don't you want to land the airplane by yourself yeah definitely if yeah. you can always do it yeah, it's the yeah, best you experience. Want to, you want to feel it exactly. You want to have control of that plane when you land. Now, on the other hand, if you're flying into an airport where there's zero visibility and you can't see the runway, um, and you're in a jet with auto land capabilities, it's probably smart to use it <laughs> if you want to make a landing. I would still, and I've done that a couple of times on infinite flight. Of course, I don't have that option in the one seven two in real life. No, but you know, on infinite flight, there's been several times I've flown into point of uh, point of Petrie. With like zero visibility whatsoever, and luckily Jaden actually was on the approach and brought me right into the ILS. And you know, you you don't see the lighting until you actually cross the threshold. And then as soon as I see it, I disengage the autopilot and uh, land the plane myself. Yeah, it's just it's just me. I'm gonna I, have I to. I want to control it the whole way down. I'm gonna have to fire up Infinite Flight and go flying after this, making me want to fly. <laughs> okay, so let's just finish off these uh, questions here. We've got one more from Facebook. Uh, a few listeners wanted to know, Arjan, if you've had to deal with any emergencies or dangerous situations while flying the dash. Do you have any stories for us? Uh, no, I think I'm uh, I'm a bit boring tonight. <laughs> okay, well that's fine. That's actually a good thing, I would say. <laughs> okay, no emergencies. Maybe by the time you, not that we want you to have any in in flight emergencies, but uh, maybe we'll ask you that in a year from now when uh, we talk about your flight training for the, uh, your certification for the Embraer 
and see if you've got any at that point. Yeah, but, maybe, but uh, I, I think the Dash 8 is a really reliable aircraft. So, uh, yes, yeah. well, and it, it's and almost not tech. So. Obviously, again, we, we don't wish that on you at all. So, uh, only only happy landings for you for the future. Um, <laughs> well, surely there's been a simulated emergency in the simulator. Well, let's let's actually ask that then. What what uh, what types of emergency landings do you have to work on in the simulator for the Dash 8? Um, I think it's the same for any aircraft available to market. Um, yeah, engine flame out, uh, engine fire. Um, yeah, I think that's the most exciting stuff. Actually, you have to land the aircraft single engine, okay. so that's quite difficult to handle them. Right. And is that would you so, would you think it's uh, from what you know? Do you think it's more difficult to land uh, a turboprop on one engine than it would be a jet? Yes. Uh, why is that? Um, because of the, uh, I think the asymmetry of the aircraft. Okay. Uh, the, the prop is really huge and powerful. So if one propeller blade just stops and it's not feathered, it's really hard to handle. Right, because all so, of a sudden you've got a lot of drag from that air that uh, side of the airplane. Exactly. So you have to feather it as soon as possible and uh, okay. gain control of the aircraft. Okay. Awesome. Um, and I should note, too, that we did cover Caleb's question. He was asking, when do you flare on landing? So we did cover that. So, Caleb, you can uh, hope you're listening. You can uh, practice flaring at uh, 20 feet above the runway and adding a little bit of power. So, uh, Arjun, anything before we go that you wanted to say? Uh, no, I think... Uh Infinite Flight is a fantastic simulation software and a fantastic community. Keep up the good work, everyone, and enjoy it. Awesome. Mark, anything from you before we go? No, man, this has definitely been uh, been a great one as far as with the information for the for the new Dash 8. Um, so I think a lot of answers have been, a lot of questions have been answered on, um, on Facebook uh, by Art as far as the specifics on speeds, flap settings, and stuff like that, because that's what I've been seeing a lot of. Uh, types of posts on Facebook mm-hmm. about the different flap settings and speed. So I think Art covered that very well. Thank you, sir, for doing that. Yeah, no worries. My pleasure. Awesome. All right. Well, once again, uh, Arjan, thank you so much for chatting with me tonight. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. Mark, thanks to you, man. Oh, always a pleasure, man. Always enjoy it. Thanks for having me. That was Dash 8 pilot Arjan, and he joined me from an island in the UK via Skype. Thanks also to Skyhawk Heavy for co-hosting today. Thanks as always for listening. If you haven't already, head over to the App Store or Google Play and download Infinite Flight. For more of the podcast, visit flightcast.audio and be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a great review. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash flightcastaudio and on Twitter at flightcastaudio. If you have any ideas for the show, please leave them in the comments. Flightcast is brought to you as always by Linkhouse Media on the web at linkhousemedia.com. We can always use your financial support to keep us going and now a new way to do that is to head over to flightcast.audio slash shop and get your very own Flightcast hat or t-shirt and other accessories. You can also donate by visiting flightcast.audio and clicking the yellow PayPal button in the sidebar. To cover the fine print, Flightcast is not affiliated with Infinite Flight or Flying Development Studio. I'm Jason Rosewell. Thanks for listening and happy landings. And get your very own Flightcast hat, t-shirt, mug, and other accessories. Ah, that was crap. Let me do that again. 
You mm. almost made it the whole way through. I know. But I'm and sitting here with fingers crossed. I was getting proud of it. <laughs> I know. We start to, um, uh, what's, what's the name for it? Um, um, yeah, do you want, yeah, this piece again, or you want to skip it, or? Yeah, no, do it again, if you want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay, so. Don't worry, so... I rarely know what I'm talking about, so I just, just fake <laughs> it if you're not sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I'm out there, and, um, uh, oh, I might need to start that again. Strap the cockpit on and all away you go. <laughs> I should probably edit that out. Hey everyone, I'm Jason Rosewell. Mike, Mike, man, off Mike. to a great start already. We uh, got you messed up with the alphaphonics already. I just we? woke up from a nap a little while ago. Sorry. Let's try this again.